relationships. I'm not necessarily going to talk about relationships, uh, but I want to talk about uh, reviving uh, togetherness uh, in our relationships uh, in the home as well as in the church. I hope that helps somebody today. Uh, reviving togetherness uh, in our relationships in the home as well in the church. Now, when you look at the word revive or revival, the word in essence means to bring back to life. Uh, the word means to restore or to renew. And any time that you will see the word used throughout the scripture, it would always suggest that something has died or something is getting ready to die. The word also carries the idea to live or to cause to live again. Now, I want to highlight the usage that's found in Genesis chapter 45 and verse number 27. Genesis 45 and 27, where the Bible says, when they told him, we're talking about Jacob, everything that Joseph had said to them. And when he saw the carts, Joseph had sent to carry him back. The Bible says, and I want you to underline this. The Bible says the spirit of their father, Jacob, revived. Now, I'm sure if you've been in the church for any number of time and years, you've You've heard the story about Joseph and his brothers uh, who threw him into a pit, left him there in the pit to die, and then covered uh, his coat uh, with animal's blood and then took the coat home to his father uh, to show him that possibly some animal uh, had killed Joseph. And the Bible tells us that when Jacob heard this false report, he believed it was the truth. And the Bible says he became faint, and he began to weep bitterly. And the Bible says that no one could comfort him. But, of course, as we know in the story, uh, that Joseph was not actually dead, that God had delivered him from the pit. And then he was taken and thrown into prison. And then by the time we get to about where we are in Genesis 45, we know that Joseph has been living in the palace and has become a very major figure uh, in, in the land of Egypt. Now, I want you to see that in our text that after Jacob was told the truth, the Bible tells us how, how Jacob responded. Our text says that the spirit of Jacob revived. Now, it's important that we understand because this is really the foundation of the lesson that the word spirit here is not talking about the Holy Spirit, but it's talking about the natural spirit that was in Joseph. It, Jacob, rather, is talking about the spirit of his mind and the spirit of his soul. And the Bible says that it was revived. You see, when Joseph, when Jacob first heard 
of Joseph's supposed death, his spirit became faint in him, which means that he lacked the energy of life. Uh, but when he saw the wagons, which gave him evidence that Joseph was alive. Now, now if I had the time, I would explain to you that it wasn't necessarily what he was told that revived him, but more or less what he saw. Because you got to know that um, his sons had already lied to him one time. And I don't know about you, but when you lie to me one time, pretty much anything you might say after that might be somewhat suspect. So the Bible says when he saw the wagons, uh, which gave him evidence that Joseph was alive, watch what happened. He regained his joy and his desire for living. His spirit was renewed for fellowship and for the activity of life. His joy was rekindled. His excitement was resurrected. He could even smile again for the hope of a future reunion with his son and enjoy being together with him again. Now, I want us to understand that if there is a spirit that needs to be revived in probably all of our relationships, it might be the spirit of togetherness. Listen to the Bible in Genesis 46 at verse number 28, Genesis 46, at verse number 28, the Bible says, Then Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father. He presented himself to him, and notice the, what he did. He fell on his neck, and he wept on his neck a great while. And the Bible says, and Israel, which is Jacob, said, now let me die. Since I have seen your face and know that you are alive, I, I, he said, now I can go ahead and die. Now, I want to make some applications from this. And what I hope that we will be able to see uh, and learn from the relationship of Jacob and Joseph is that we all need uh, in our church and in our homes to have the same kind of togetherness and the same kind of relationship uh, in the church as well as in the home. Now, I'm saying this to us this morning because it is just my personal theory. Uh, that our relationships sometimes uh, in the home and church resemble the spirit of Jacob when he thought his son Joseph was dead. Our relationships sometimes in our homes and even in the church are oftentimes spiritless. And if y'all don't wake up before I sit down, you will be proving that what I say is true. Because even in the church and in our homes, sometimes our relationships are lifeless. They are joyless. They are disconnected and devoid of togetherness. 
And like Jacob, our relationships have lost their natural spirit. Now, I want to just say this to you today, that the Bible warns us that in the last days that this would happen. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 3, you are familiar with that, that text as the Apostle Paul gives out some final instructions to the young preacher Timothy and he explains to him that in the last days he said that perilous times are going to come. In other words, he says that in the last days that is going to be marked by a generation that is going to find it very difficult to live. And he wants them to know that the last days are going to have an effect on our relationships. Well, the Bible said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 3, Paul says it would be a period when mankind would be without natural affection. Now, oftentimes the mistake is made when we apply this text in this generation. The emphasis of most preachers is to place natural affections somehow on homosexuality or somehow on lesbianism. But I want to tell you this morning that when you look at that phrase in context, as the Apostle Paul is using it, it is not an indictment against homosexuality. It is not an indictment against being a lesbian and love a man loving a man and a man loving a woman loving a woman. Now, surely that is unnatural. Somebody said amen. But in the context, that's not what he's using the term to say. But let me just say this. It's just extra teaching here that the reason that we know that uh, homosexual affection and lesbian affection is wrong because Paul says in another occasion that people are going to have inordinate affection. Now, that's what makes it wrong. I would also suggest to you there is nothing necessarily wrong with loving a man, loving another man, or a woman loving another woman, but it becomes inordinate affection when it begins to express itself in an unordinary way. Y'all going to help a preacher. I'm just trying to teach up here. Somebody ought to smile every now and again. I know your microphone is broken. So I don't want anybody leaving out here thinking that I'm trying to justify homosexual and lesbian. That's not what I'm up here to do. I ain't got no problem with you loving another man. But when you began to express that love in a way sexually that God has put in a union between a man, and, and let me, I better say this too for the fornicators in the house. I ain't trying to help you either. 
nevertheless to avoid fornication. Let every man have his own wife. And every woman have her own what? I'm just saying, and, and, and when we begin to express a loving affection sexually in those relationships, we are right. But in this text, when he talks about without natural affection, the word natural affection is one word in the Greek language, and it is the kind of love that should naturally exist between those of the same kind and the same kin. That's what you see in the relationship between Jacob and Joseph. They had a natural love for one another because they were related as father and son. And notice at their reunion, the affection that was displayed was very natural and real and authentic. Why do you say that, preacher? Because they were family. We need to revive that kind of relationship in our home as well as in the church. You know, my wife has a dog. And when the storms came a week ago, she got a rock waller, y'all. Uh, and when she said she wanted a dog, you know, I mean, she showed up, got her dog, too. And, and this ain't no, this ain't no outside dog. This is what you call the house, in the house dog. And, and we put her, put her outside the house, and we got a welcome mat outside the door. And you know, when those dogs get bored, they start chewing stuff. And she started chewing the O and the M out of welcome. I'm talking about on the mat. But what I want to suggest to us is that we need to put the sweet back in home, sweet home. I mean, it just suggests to me that in our home sometimes, all we have is a home. There is no welcome there, and there is no sweet there. And, and we need to revive that kind of natural affection in our relationships. Well, since it's quiet in the church, and since we usually use Romans 16, 16 when we want to prove to people that we can find the church in the Bible, the church of Christ. Romans 16, 16, Paul, having given salutations out to several members of the body throughout Asia Mount and Rome, he then says in Romans 16, 16, saluting one another with a holy kiss, the churches of Christ, I, I'm suggesting to you here, and I'm not here to bother anybody. I, I preach what I preach everywhere I go. But I want to suggest that one of the major issues with the church uh, is that we have kept the churches of Christ, salute you, in there. But we've taken away the holy kiss. Well, what do you mean, preacher? That's just simply a greeting culturally that the Romans would use and so I'm not here trying to say we ought to revive kissing each other on both cheeks. But the point of the matter is it displays some affection. And even if we're not going to make an outward show that we 
are affectionate about each other and that we love one another, God bless it. It ought to show up in a handshake. I better preach over there in a minute. It ought to show up in an embrace. There ain't no way that we can be the people of God and walk in here and give one another drive-bys every Sunday. What do you mean drive-by, preacher? I'm not talking about a shooting. I'm talking about won't even shake a hand. We need to revive togetherness, which is a natural affection that ought to exist in our home and ought to exist in the church. Well, preacher, what, what do you see as the problem? I'm glad y'all asked me that. Well, we're living in a world that is characterized by a loss of natural affection. Now, now here's our challenge. We cannot allow that anti-spirit to take up residence in our homes and in our churches. There is a commercial that Under Armour put out, and uh, you know, I like the commercial, and they're trying to get you excited about, you know, uh, being a part of a team and excited about even your own body. And, and in that commercial it says, we must protect this house. Y'all ever seen that commercial? We must protect this house. And what I'm saying to us, because of the uh, degradation, that's, degradation that's going on in our world, we got to protect our homes and we got to protect the church. And in that commercial, one young lady comes out and she says, I will. I'm trying to push her and move us today to determine that no matter how bad it gets at somebody else's house and no matter how bad it gets in some other congregation, that we're going to protect our homes and our church against an anti-spirit of, of losing natural affection. Well, we're living in a generation that the text says is without natural affection. And we don't have to look far to see that. We, we turn on our TVs. We hear stories of people killing one another. You hear stories now of uh, children killing their parents. I hope when you're quiet, that really means you're thinking. Because, friend, don't you sit there and think just because you see it and hear it happening at somebody else's house. And they ain't just doing it at the house now. People have drifted so far away from natural affection. They'll walk up in the church house. You hear stories of uh, parents killing their own children. There was a lady and her daughter who got together a few months ago, kill a whole family. You hear stories of husbands killing their wives. Wives killing their husbands. You hear stories of brothers and sisters killing one another. And they even, they even, got, a, they even got a term for it now. And the term is called familicide. 
I mean, that's when family starts killing and hurting one another. And I want to just suggest to you that that stuff starts in a family when we lose natural affection. We see legislation now that is being passed to legitimize abortion because women don't have natural affection for the life that's growing in their body. And that's why you, you, you hear uh, people out here now and they're pushing for the woman to have the right of her own body. And I'm not against a, a woman having the right of her own body. And, and, and I know there are cases where women have become pregnated and they didn't want to be impregnated, sometimes even through violence. But we cannot become so familiar with violence that our, our affections become so unnatural that a woman cannot even rejoice over the life that she's carrying in her womb. And now as soon as something happened that they didn't want to happen, they don't look at that and realize that they may have a purpose child living in them. Even though the child may have come out of wedlock, unnatural affection will make you blame it. Do I got a witness in here? That same feeling that you got when you found out you were pregnant and you knew that in you there was a son or a daughter and you, and you tell your child, I loved you while you were in. What I'm suggesting to you now, they don't have that kind of natural affection anymore. You ever visit the nursing home? Nursing homes are filled with parents who haven't seen or heard from their children in years. I mean, even if you couldn't naturally bring mama and daddy home to live with you, natural affection would not allow you to put them in a home somewhere. Didn't get so busy, too busy. Even go check on. It's the same way in the church. You can have the elderly in the church and, and their own kids have abandoned them. But the church got to have such a natural affection even for the elderly in the church that somebody will think enough of them to just go by. Now, one of the reasons that I enjoy coming to Hollywood because I preach at a congregation that is filled with young folk. So when I come here and I see some people with some gray hair, and I see some folk here that live some years, I always get excited about that. And there's a natural affection that I'm going to always have because in the church we are supposed to treat the older women as our mothers. 
and the older men as our fathers, the younger women as our sisters, and the younger men as our brothers. And while I'm standing up here doing the best I can do, it just looked like my mama and my daddy and my brothers and my sisters that are listening to me just out of natural affection for me ought to just say amen to help me sometime. I'm not trying to be the best preacher. I'm not here to out-preach your preacher. Just say amen because I'm your brother. Well, Look at our young black men. I mean, I'm working in the school system now. Young black men shooting and killing one another every night and doing it without any remorse. I, I turned your news on last night in the hotel room and on Highland, I think Boulevard, there was a shooting out there. I watched the news the other day and I think the lady's name was Sadie Roberts Joseph. She was killed by Ron Bell. He was $1,200 short, laid on his rent. I don't know why he did it, but I know this. If you would have had a natural affection, Miss Bell, Miss Roberts would still be alive. There, the graveyard. Is filled to capacity now because people have lost their natural affection. Now, before Paul warned Timothy about this, loss of natural affection has existed throughout every generation of mankind. I'll ask the question if you're following the lesson, you'll give the answer. Why did Cain slay his brother Abel? We don't have to get into all of the, about the offerings that they made. It basically came down to he had lost natural affection. I don't care if his gift was better. There ain't no cause for you to get jealous of your brother. I mean, I got two sons at home. One of them can sing like angel. And the other can just hit a note. But what I like about them is that the one that can just hit the note still supports his brother. Why? Because they have a relationship. And naturally, there might be somebody that can sing better than his brother. But that's his brother. Same thing with sisters. Whatever relationship you may have, Cain killed his brother because he lost natural. Don't y'all know that you're natural?
Why did Absalom rape his sister Tamar? And you can tell me all about all you want to tell me about Absalom. And he was a pretty boy and all that. And he just thought he lost natural affection. And his affection for his sister became inordinate. Brothers and sisters ought to love each other. Brother can't have a sister and let anybody just pick on her. I mean, I even know some girls. I worked in the school system, and a brother got into it with another fella, and the sister about with both of them. I say, why you get into that? You don't even know what happened. She said, I don't care what happened. That's my brother. Why did Joseph's own brothers throw him into the pit? And leave him for dead. Why would they do that? They can tell me it was all about a coat. And they were just jealous because uh, Jacob just loved Joseph uh, a little bit more. Uh, he had a greater affection, I guess, for you can tell the bottom line is they had lost their natural affection. When you love your brother. You will not ever put your brother in harm or danger. You won't let jealousy and anger come between you. One may have more than the other, but you ain't mad at each other about it. You can't be mad because your brother grew to be 6'8", and you barely push it five foot. And then on top of that, he the younger brother. And every time y'all together, everybody think he the older brother. You can't be mad about that. You can't be jealous sitting out there now because your brother has um, achieved more in life. Your sister has done more in life. Natural affection will make you show up for your family just because y'all are related. What, what would make Judas betray Jesus with a kiss? Well, I know the Bible said that Judas loved the money and all that. I get that. But he lost his natural affection for Jesus. And what I'm suggesting to you this morning is that all of these were acts that were committed without natural affection. And, and let me just share this with you. This did not catch Jesus off guard. In Matthew chapter 10, listen, listen. Matthew 10 at verse number 21. Matthew 10 and verse number 21. The Bible says, and brother shall deliver up the brother to death. And the father, the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. That's Matthew's 10. But when you go to Matthew's chapter 24 and look at verse number 10, 
The Bible says, many shall be offended and betray one another and hate one another. Verse 12 says, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Jesus was aware that there was going to come a period of time when familiar side was be going, going to become familiar. Listen, it ain't even shocking no more when you hear about a brother betraying another brother, sister betraying a sister. I mean, because we've heard it before. Come real close to me, church. When he says this, it is sad that it's becoming too familiar even in our relationships in the church. We're a family in here. But Jesus said, focus start betraying one another, hating one another. And every now and again, somebody is going to be offended by their brother. And then he says, at verse 13, and he says the same thing in Matthew 10. He says, but he that endures until the end shall be saved. Now listen, and I'm almost done. We cannot control what happens in other people's homes. I mean, I just done said that. And I'm not here to fix nothing in this church. I, I, I mean, the brother asked me to come share, and that's what I'm trying to do. You can't control what goes on in other churches. But I want to tell you this. You can control what happens in your house. You can happen what goes on in this church. Listen to me. He said the love of many will wax cold. Cold might be the word that describes this world. But it doesn't have to be the word that defines your home and your relationship. And I want to encourage every home and every family in here, like the affection that Jacob and Joseph had for each other, don't lose your natural affection. Because here's what I've done. If you haven't noticed what I've done, I've given you the evidence. And I've given you the proof. And you can sit out there and act like, oh, I ain't worried about what you're saying up there. Okay, okay. I'm learning how not to sweat my suits. I'm not going to fuss at you. You, you do whatever you want to do. But I want to assure you something. That your story could be the next one we're reading about. Do I got any husbands in here? Any husbands? Y'all afraid to say that's all we got is three because that's all I heard. <laughs> if your wife's wasn't here, you'd be jumping out of the building. I got any fathers in here? Here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you, husbands. Husbands. Love your family. Don't be afraid of displaying 
natural affection to your family. Now, oftentimes when I get in my feelings, and I've actually done better because I've found out that getting in my feelings is really a spirit of the devil, so I've tried to control them more. But, but, and I know that's shocking because sometimes men will act like they don't have no feelings. But, brother, I don't care how strong you are. All of us have a feeling, emotion. And sometimes I will blame myself because I say, you know what, I spoiled this family. I mean, I spoiled this family. I, 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 I mean, they ain't never had their lights out. They cell phone ain't never been turned off. Gas always been on. Food always been in the. But but men, you know what I what I've what I've come to realize? I'm not gonna wait for them to validate me. Every now and again they ought to say, good job. But I've learned to tell myself, I ain't got nothing to brag about. That's my family. And you got to take some pride and some joy in expressing natural. You getting up going to work ought to just be natural. Ain't nobody got to kick you out the house. Paying bills ought to be natural. And I'm not telling, I'm not telling them to put you in the poor house now. That's a whole nother sermon. But what I'm saying is, don't walk through here mad and upset husbands and fathers for what you signed up to do. Husband, love your wife. Love her. You are in relationship with her. You chose her. She chose you. You ought to be proud about your choice. And loving her ought to be it ought to just be natural. Now my wife's sitting here today so I can't talk the smack I normally would when she ain't with me. But I sure don't like it when she asks me for stuff because there is a natural desire in me. Listen, I'm not up here trying to win no points. I've been married 25 years. I'm just telling y'all the truth. And I hope that she will have mercy on me. It's just natural for me to want to be able to say, you know, sometimes, brother, I'll be like, well, now, honey, now, uh, uh, well, uh, yeah. And then the Bible says, Love your wife, brethren, and don't be bitter against them. You can't be walking around bitter and upset and mad at your wife. And then you want to come up in here and, and show all your teeth, skin and grin with everybody else. And you wonder why she's so cold at home. That's your number one relationship. Now, I ain't got time now because I'm going to digress in a minute here. I'm trying to stay on task. 
But I know about neglect. Because when I started in this preaching thing, I thought that I had to, I thought I had to help everybody else's relationship. So when I was a young preacher, when they called me for counseling, I got excited. I get to tell them something. Now don't feel too bad for me. Thank God for my personal growth. I can't do my wife like that. I got to drop off your counseling date. Take care of my wife and my children. They have to be first. My job is not to try to make sure your family has natural affection. To make sure that I got some. Any wives in here? Their mothers in here. See how they got louder. They told you which one they love the most. Any wives in here? Yeah. Any mother? Yeah. Not, nothing wrong with that. But I want to encourage every woman in here. Sisters, love your husband. Now, I know sometimes we get it twisted and we think that the children come before the husband, but that ain't true. In fact, in Titus, when the Bible gives out that instruction about a wife loving her children, she learns that by, by loving her first big old baby, which is her husband. Now, you probably can sit there and act like you ain't going to help me. I don't care if you don't say amen. It's still right anyhow. You just a big old baby just like me. That's why your wife learned how to take care of the children. And all I'm saying to the sisters now, sisters, I know that you are often unappreciated. It's the truth. And especially if you're a wife that stays home, men will act like you ain't do nothing all day. But let that joker stay at home one day. He'll find out. And if you go to work and then got to come home, I can't get no help in this church. Women that do that and still got to get it going. Listen, I'm saying if you're guiding the house, do it with natural affection. Mop the floors and wash the clothes and cook the food. Then the taxi drive. Your husband come home. Everything you do. Make sure you, it comes naturally to do it. You shouldn't be cooking mad and upset. You can't fool the husband and the kid. We know when you're mad. Mama, you done burnt that chicken this time. We're talking about relationships. And I want to tell every woman in here, you are the thermostat in your home. If it's cold, it's cause of you. Y'all know I'm right about that now. In families, daddy can die 
they'll bury him and kids are just, oh, they'll, they'll go on. But when the matriarch dies, when, when mama dies, they'll act like the whole world done fell apart. And you know why that is? It's because you cannot put a value on everything that she does. And I'm telling you, sister, do it for your husband. That's your relationship with him. Do it for your children. And don't put no other house above your house. Tell boo-boo them you can't come by. Tell her if you order mall, say, girl, we got to go. My husband is on his way home. But you know, these are things that naturally. Any children in here? I got any children in here? The whole church ought to say, that ought to be no showing up biggest, amen. Because all you, if you sitting there, you had a mama. And you had a dad. You might not even know who they are, but you got them. <laughs> and if you don't have your biological, I pray God you had somebody that stepped up. Which, which, come again. That's what I'm saying to you. The home and church relationship are interdependent on one another. Because when people don't have that in the natural, they ought to have it in the spiritual. But if you got a mama and a daddy, I just want to say to you, children, obey your parents. Why are you going to do that? Because the Bible says it's right. Honor, obey, and respect your parents. And the reason I'm saying that to, to us as children, because sometimes it ought to just be natural. You know why most fights happened back when I was growing up? You know why they happened? Because somebody said something about your mama or your daddy. And you be out there, you say, now you say it one more time. Now, I double dog there, you say it one more time. And if they didn't hear you then, you drew, you didn't really want to fight, but you tried to pull a good bluff up, you drew a line out there, sit across that line. And then if that didn't work, then you put a little stick on your shoulder, you said, knock it off my shoulder. And even though your mama told you, you don't be down there fighting, call people talking about your mama, they don't know your mama. But it was, it, didn't it, anybody here did that? It, it, them hands just came naturally, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, it was just instinctive. Your mom, what? And you know that was. I'm going to tell y'all what's sad, don't I, church? I work in the school system, and I hear the kids. I, 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 I'm you know, if you've been if you've been knowing me all this time, it's not that uh, I can't on a time. It's just that my heart is so filled. Um, when I sit in the schoolhouse and I hear kids talking about, I mean, they talk about they men. They talk about the they daddies horribly. I'm talking about girls and boys. They ain't even fighting about us no more. 
And they'll tell me, well, because I don't know where my daddy is. My daddy wasn't ever there. I ain't got no relationship with my daddy. My daddy ain't never showed me no. I don't care nothing about it. It's too sad to be funny, y'all. And then they get to talking about their mama. I won't talk to these kids in this church. Man. See this little fella right here? Man, love you. Love you. Love you, mom. All you, you young lady, all you, all you kids in here, all you, look up here, all y'all kids, man. Love your mama. Man, that's your mama. Love your daddy. I mean, I know it's tough, and I, and that's what would make a lesson like this difficult, Brother Bills, is because you got to be fair to children now who daddies have walked off on them, whose mothers are trifling. Yeah, you got to come in here and try to tell them, honor them, respect them. If you can't do it for no other reason, then the Bible says that your days may be long. Now, that's not an ironclad statement that says it'll actually always happen that way. But what it's saying to you is you got a better shot of living in this life longer. Well, I see the song leader came closer. Let me almost quit. And notice I said almost. Why is love in the home so important? Because the church and the home are interdependent. I want to say to you guys, go home and share your love. Go home, show your love. Go home and say, say, I said say, your love. I mean, the saddest thing I ever saw in my life was a brother that we buried and his family took him to the barber shop. Well, they didn't take him. They sent the barber to the, to the funeral home, cut his hair all up, trimmed him up real nice, put him a new suit on. Now, I knew whose funeral I was doing. But when I walked to the box, I thought I was in the wrong place. Because I ain't never seen that man haircut like that. I ain't never saw that man no suit like that. It is sad when we wait until folk die to naturally do for them dead what you ought to naturally do for them living. Church home needs to, needs to be a place of natural affection. Why? Because that's what made the first church so powerful. It was powerful because the church in the first century didn't just come together. I'm quitting now. They were together. Most churches today only assemble together. But there is no natural affection in the assembly. Our love for us, one another in this church family, it should come natural to us. Why, preacher? Because God is our Father. When Jesus said pray, he said pray our Father. He didn't say pray my Father, your Father, they Father. He 
is our father. Jesus is our elder brother. Because some of you act like Jesus is exclusively yours. And he don't belong to nobody else in the church. But he's our brother. And you might not know this, but we got a mother too. The word of God is our mother where we receive our instruction. The Bible ain't just for me. The instruction ain't just for me. It's for all of us. Why? Because we are brothers and sisters spiritually, and we are members one of another. And not only that, but God says, you know, we ought to prefer one another. Do y'all get that? I mean, if I got a choice between Brother Brown, who I know is my brother in the Lord, and, and Brother Brown, who just a fella I know, and uh, I ain't got but two spots left. One spot left. One spot left. And it's got to be a brown. Don't y'all clown. I'm going with this, Brother Brown. We're supposed to prefer. In our family, where it is, you got a sister, and, um, and there's two other women that need a ride. Not your wife. She ain't in the crew. Just two other sisters plus your sister. You got to prefer. We're supposed to prefer. Y'all get that? Do good to all men. But especially. I mean, in this church, we should exhort encourage one another, we should esteem one another highly, we should rejoice and weep with one another. Do y'all get that? Rejoice and weep with one another. That means when something has brought you joy, I get joy too. It could be something as simple and tangible as you were riding around in the hoop for the last 10 years. And all of a sudden, you've been praising God and doing right by God. He done blessed you with that ride you always wanted. And you going out there to the uh, to, to get anything, you just hitting your button, click, 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 click. And everybody see it. You ain't getting mad, talking about, oh, there she go. She just showing off. You knew she was riding and smoking and barely coming to church. You get joy. Somebody kid graduated in the church. It wasn't your kid. But somebody, you, you, were, you were there. Somebody in the family has something tragic that happens. You got the news. Their mama died. Their brother died. They lost their son or their daughter. The Bible said we ought to rejoice with them that are rejoicing. And then we shed a tear with you too. Especially if we know what it's like. And you know, in that text, actually, even if I don't know what it's like, it says that I ought to, I ought to empathize. That means I ought to put myself in your shoes. And most of all, church, we got to learn to love one another fervently. Our fervent love should cause us to forgive one another. Pray for one another. Seek peace with one another. Now, sometimes we got that part right when it comes to our natural family. 
Your old brother been owing you a $70 for the last 20 years. Yet you still shaking hands and loving him because you forgiven him. You let it go. Well, we in God's family up in here now. We ought to have the same type of forgiveness. And when conflicts happen within the family of God, our main goal ought to be to want to restore it. I like that. I'm, I'm quitting now. I'm going to come on down here. I'm, I'm going to come down here. But I'm going to end with this. Because what I see in uh, Jason, Jacob and Joseph is important. See, the conflict happened. It happens between Joseph and his brothers. They done took him, threw him in the pit, left him out there for dead. But all the years had passed by. God has blessed him since. And when he finally has a reunion with them, the Bible says that Joseph, in, in Genesis 47, he sustained his brothers. There was a, there was a famine that happened. But Joseph didn't, didn't hold a grudge. He made sure his brothers had bread. Are y'all following what I'm saying? What makes Joseph respond like that? Natural affection. I know what my brothers did to me, but they still my brothers. Now, I know we get that concept sometimes, some of us do, because some, some folks don't even treat their own fleshly brothers and sisters right. That's why you come to church and you can't treat nobody right, because you don't treat your own flesh and blood right. I don't mean to be mean, it's just you just know the truth. You can't say amen, say ouch, because you know that's true. Because the church is just a reflection of what you've been doing at home anyway. And then you're supposed to come over here so the church, you know, teaching can help you do better. But you halfway come over here. Don't come no Bible class. Don't come on no wind. Don't come none of that. And then you wonder why you can't get along with your fleshly brothers and sisters. And then you come here wonder why you can't get along with folk up in here. Cannot allow conflict to destroy your relationship. I got a brother, Andre Herbert and Will Jr. in the flesh. And we've had our conflicts. But I, it's just too natural for me to hold it against them. And one thing I do to avoid conflicts, they don't ask me for no money and I don't loan them none. That's why y'all be getting up in y'all flesh because you cut no time. I'm going to pay you back and you get your money back yet. Now, you got to sit in there and get over that. Now, that may be how you did it in the street, but you can't come in here. If I don't advocate that, don't even be loaning nothing in here to the church. Not even a lawnmower because you might tie that up and you borrow the fellow lawnmower. And you know it's just not right. If I borrow your lawnmower and the blade come off in my house, then you know I got to go get another one. I, oh, well, no, the blade was loose when you brought it to me. <laughs> Man, just go get another blade. So Joseph made sure his brothers had bread, and he sustained them through the famine. When you get to the end of that text, some of the most beautiful words in there, they, eventually Jacob dies. And uh, the brothers start thinking, well, I guess our brother going to be mad at us. We done did him wrong. Can I tell y'all before I go to 
you ain't got to remind folk of what they've done to you. Every time they see you. So they say, well, he probably going to be mad at us. And, 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 and you know, y'all know the story. But by the time they get to Joseph, Joseph said, man, you know what? It, it, ain't, it ain't no thing. Now, now, he didn't say it like that, but y'all know my point. I'm putting it in language we understand. He says, I know. I know. You meant it. You meant it for evil. But I'm in, but God has turned it to good. What, what you saying, preacher? Sometimes that's just how you're going to rationalize things in life, in relationships. Your mama may have done you bad. Your daddy done you bad. Your brother, done, your sister done you bad. But you got to say, but look at me now. You might not even know who your daddy is, but are you all right right now? I know emotionally there may be some scars there, but I'm talking about in terms of your life. Did you not make it? And then he says, I'm in the place of God. Now, I won't tell every husband in here, whoever you married, you got to be able to say, I'm what God wanted me to be at. Now, every fella can't say that. Now, if you've been married, see, you are serving so long. If you've been married for five, I can't let you leave out of with that. If you got one wife, and y'all have had some good relationship and bad, in fact, I don't talk to no fella that come here telling me he ain't never had a problem. Well, you ain't finna have one with me by telling me that lie. Because ain't no way two flawed people come together. Oh, now, I know y'all holding hands now, but you remember when y'all wasn't holding no hands. You was just like Donald Trump wife when he got off that plane. He was reaching back for that hand, and she was like, no, 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 no. No, no. <laughs> I ain't holding no hand. Get in the bed and she's sleeping all the way at the edge of the thing. Amen. See, sometimes we want to act like that ain't the reality of it. Man, that's reality. If I ain't the only one up in here. When I got to the hotel yesterday, I was so happy with a small bed. I didn't know what to do with myself. I said, she can't go for the day unless she sleep on the floor. Thank you, Bills, for not getting two beds in that room. You got to be able to say that where you are is where God wants you to be at. Your old man might not be the best old man, but if he's doing the best he can with you, he can't give you everything you want, but he's doing the best he can. You got to say, it ought to be natural to him. My dad asked me one time, children, kids, my dad asked one time, he said, come take my shoes off. That's when I was a little boy. I was just natural. I ran with him and pulled them off. Bob messed around asking my boys to take the things off now. They got a whole lot of reasons why they're going to go slow. <laughs> but I believe they're going to show up. Because I'm, you know why? Because I'm their dad. Let me, let me quit. Let, let, let me, I'm, I'm done. Can I say this one thing? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I don't want to be disrespectful to you. I'm asking you, can I say this one last thing? Okay. 
Because he's going to act like that he don't be up as long as me. You see how he's sitting there looking at me, Brother Brown, like a, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. That's why preachers act like that. Now, if I wasn't saying nothing, you should have been trying to weigh me down. But I want to lead the church with this. How do, how do we keep our, that from not happening to our family where we don't become cold up in there? You know, just people live on the same old roof. You know, we ain't got no love for each other. How do we stop that? Paul gave a prescription in Ephesians 4. Now, I understand context in Ephesians 4 is talking about the church, but we are the church. But those same passages will apply to your home and the church. And one of the things he says, he says, walk worthy of your vocation. Now, here's what I'm concluding with. This is why I want to make sure I end with this, Brother Brown. Watch this now. If you are a father and you're a husband, right, Brother Brown has to walk worthy of being a husband and being a father. He can't come around here just tell me I'm a husband and a father. Anybody can say it. You got to walk worthy. My goal is to be worthy of being a father to my children. My goal is to be worthy of my wife. Now, my wife, I, now, I, I, I say things about my wife because she used to it by now. It's hard to be the preacher's wife. Y'all trust me on that. But sometimes my wife and I can have, you know, some little conflicts or whatever. But, but when I know she loved me is when I hear on the phone, oh, Otha this and Otha did that. And Otha, 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 Otha. I'd be sitting back saying, but Otha sound like a pretty good guy. And the responsibility of balance. I'm not just a daddy, but I'm also worthy of being that. I'm not just a husband, I'm worthy. Why? Be worthy of your calling. You can't be a wife. You gotta be worthy. You can't be a mother. Be able to say that my son. I was at the graduation the other day, and a, a kid uh, was walking across the stage. Now, these kids that graduated, they didn't make that first graduation; they were behind, but they stayed with it, and they were able to graduate on last week. And when one kid went by there, one lady, she said, "That's my boy." You know how when you say that, and everybody just be quiet, and everybody ha ha, they laugh. And when uh, another fellow heard his son went by there, he said, "That's my boy." Of your daddy's sake. That's my boy. That's why you don't do what everybody else in the street doing. That's why you stay out of trouble. That's why you don't sell no dope. That's why you don't want to go to jail. You want to be worthy of your daddy. And of your mother. You don't want to bring no shame on him. You don't want to walk around so when folks say, well, that's my, that's my baby.
got to walk low. Wife can't go around talking, look how I clean this. No, I walk low. Be meek. Be meek. Be meek. Be gentle, he says. Be patient. Be patient. You talk about relationships. You know that you don't want to be your man. You know that you don't. Patience is learning to idle your tongue. When you feel like drinking your own cup. your role is. Kids, you got to be patient with your parents. I tell my boys, y'all got to have some mother. My boys can't get their parents out of the house. I got to be patient with them. And my oldest son, I saw him one morning when he was a, a baby boy. And then, you know, when he sat out, he go over there. And my oldest son go over there. He went, hey, don't you sit there too far. I bet your man sit there. He's going to say, take it easy on both of us. He said, take it easy on both of us.
Let me, let me ask you, can y'all, can y'all fake it? 